This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. It is Thursday, December 14th, the last day of Hanukkah, just a few days before Christmas, sending all of our brothers and sisters so much love. Indeed, if not now, and Jewish Voice for Peace and so many of our Jewish brothers and sisters will be in Daily Plaza having a Hanukkah celebration, uh, really espousing peace and justice in the Middle East and all around the world at 4.30. I hope that you will meet everyone down there. I'm going to really try to make it down there myself. And remember, Gabriel's Toy Giveaway. It's toys, it's food, it's clothing, uh, it's gift cards. Denise Parker's done a wonderful thing at 8540 South Racine. 8540 South Racine. Please get on over there. Please give them a love offering. Give them a blessing. And um, on on December 17th, starting at 12 o'clock, whatever it is that you need, she will, she and her family and, and other volunteers will be giving toys and clothes and food uh, and gift cards away. Uh, she had lived in the projects. She's been a single mom of seven children, and she's uh, moved on up in the world, and it, she has never forgotten, but it was her son at 17 years of age who started this toy drive. He died just three years later, and she said, you know what? I am going to turn my pain into power and do what Gabriel wanted me to do. Indeed, uh, she and his father chose his name this angelic name, this angel's name from the Bible, and uh, we're glad to, we're glad to see angel of uh, this angel Gabriel living on and on and on. Eighty five forty South Racine, December seventeenth, starting at twelve o'clock. If you can get get by there and drop off some clothes, drop off some food, drop off. Uh, a donation, that would be a great thing. Hey, everybody, please put Rainbow Push under your Christmas tree. Boy, I've got a lot of little Christmas blessings. We want you to help push as push seeks to help you. 773-FREEDOM. 773-FREEDOM. Let's talk today about your financial health. Yeah. Uh, you do not have to be wealthy to get a financial advisor, someone who advises you, who guides you toward a comfortable retirement. It's possible for you to do that. Ron Whittingham of Megat Financial will be talking to us about that today. It might seem impossible when we find that $3.4 million is the cost of the American dream, a family of four, to get a house, to go to college and all of that. It's a lot of money. Many, if not most, Americans can't make it there, but that does not mean that you can't have a good retirement. Uh, Dr. Max Wolf is going to talk to us about inflation, inflation, what is going on in the nation. And uh, we're going to start off um, talking with Jonah Karshoff, if not now, about the latest in the Middle East. That is driving, these issues are driving the conversation in America today. So, Let's get right to it, everybody. Who's going to get some of these headlines in? Uh, I am Santita Jackson. This is WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, and AM 950 radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. Everybody, like and share the show. Like and share the show. Like and share the show. Hey, Ashley King. Hey, Andre. Sending everybody so much love. Give Andre some love today. He lost his auntie. He lost his auntie. She is gone to be with God. So going to pray for you today. House Republicans voted to formalize 
an impeachment inquiry into President Biden. Republicans have not said what alleged crimes they would try to impeach President Biden for, and they haven't shown evidence that they that he benefited financially from his son Hunter's foreign deals. No Democrats supported the move yesterday, and it's unclear whether Republicans have the votes or political will to impeach. We will see. The Supreme Court will hear a case involving access to a key abortion drug, mifeprestone, which is also used to resolve miscarriages, everybody. Um, indeed, more than 50% of terminated pregnancies are done medically. They're not done uh, surgically anymore. But in order to resolve many miscarriages, they use mifeprestone because sometimes the, the embryo or the zygote has not moved and that endangers the mother's life. Well, mifeprestone, which is used uh, in these cases, well, this the Supreme Court will decide by the end of June whether to restrict it. It announced yesterday the issue of reproductive rights is returning to the forefront of the high court and of the election season. President Biden met with relatives of American hostages held by Hamas in Gaza. The president's first in-person meeting with the group lasted over two hours yesterday. At least eight Americans remain captive in the Gaza Strip, praying for them, praying that they get home in this holy season, Ohio legislators passed a ban on gender-affirming care for minors. We we'll have to talk about that one day. I want to know what you think about that. The bill passed yesterday prohibits hormone therapy, puberty blockers, and gender reassignment surgery. It now goes to the governor. And how many of you have a Tesla? More and more people I know have them. Well, Tesla recalled more than 2 million cars over safety concerns yesterday. Their autopilot systems do not have enough controls to prevent, to prevent misuse. Wow. In Chicago, we'll have a high of 46 degrees. It'll be clear with some clouds in Minneapolis, St. Paul. 47 degrees will be your high. It'll just be clear. In the NBA, the Bulls will be playing the Heat. The Timberwolves will be playing the Mavericks. And in the NFL, the Chargers will be playing the Raiders tonight. In the NHL, Chicago will be facing off against the Kraken. And the Flames will be playing the Wild. And those are the headlines on the Santita Jackson Show. Pastor Darius Brooks, how you doing? I am great this morning, Santita. How are you? Doing great. You know, you do the food giveaways during the week. Um, Tell me about those, and will you be doing anything else during the Christmas season? Absolutely. Great Central Church, 102.16 South Kitchener Street, Westchester, Illinois, every Tuesday from 5 to 7, and Wednesdays for seniors from noon to 2, particularly the 19th is our big uh, uh, giveaway and uh, service uh, to the community, eight different townships, and we don't turn anybody away. They uh, This last uh, week, we served almost 500, almost families. We'll probably be doing six or seven by the 19th of December. So Grace Central Church, 10216 South Kitchener Street, Westchester, Illinois. GraceCentral.net. If you get confused, GraceCentral.net or just DariusBrooks.com. All that information is there. December the 19th is our big day. I mean, when I say big day, that means we got a lot of work to do from the people that comes out and receive uh, um, uh, for, from the food pantry. And I mean, y'all, we give everything. I'm, I'm excited how God is doing this. Also, Santita, since you shared with me what's happening on holidays, December the 23rd is my annual Christmas concert at Grace Central Church. That's the, again, DariusBooks.com. It's for, you know, sometimes I, I do this sort of real 
grown-up people can sit and just really enjoy a great concert without the hidden agenda of entertainment, but just music that just make you sit and enjoy. And, of course, I'm working out for that. So December the 23rd, DariusBrooks.com. You can go to there as well. You can also go to DariusBrooks.com for the food pantry. Chantita, every day I wake up, I'm excited about me have learning how to use this God thing or this thing we go to church, how to put my thoughts in proper perspective, only to wonderfully find out there is if you think education is expensive, you should try ignorance. Everything we need from direction, guidance, compassion, how to do this better, how to make sense out of life is in through the Word of God. Rightly divided, though, you can't read it at face value. Second, First Peter ten, First Peter one and ten, of which salvation the prophets have acquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the suffering of Christ, and here's what I love, and the glory that should follow. Indeed, in other words, it reads this when you really study the Bible. So friends, confirm God's invitation to you, his choice for you. Don't put it off now. Do this, and you'll have in your life a firm footing. Indeed, if I had to use the thought real quick, it doesn't happen without an invitation. It doesn't happen without an invitation. Sam Teeter, there are times in our lives we may ask ourselves or even others uh, to this matter follow-up questions. What do you think about this? How do you think about this? What do you think about this? You want to come to personal places and positions of how we believe or how we do things or what we think, looking for answers. And one has to place their identity in someone else's hands. As a kid, it was our parents. As we grew, it was our experiences. And now, this invitation is, where do I go from here? Our next place needs an invitation. God's word says that his word will work good for my good. And Santita, distance and time could be irrelevant when it comes to how bad one wants or needs an invitation for clarity. The word of God help us by renewing our minds, being healthy. I heard you talking about the Jewish uh, implementing peace and justice and compassion. As I close, God's word opportunity is an invitation. But whatever you don't know, he can. He can teach you different than your parents, your father, your mother, your job. He'll share with you that he has tomorrow and took care of yesterday and today. The best opportunities are hidden in your forward good and ideas. When you don't leave out God's invitation, every next place you're going to needs an invitation. How will you create your identity and what and who are you inviting to go there? Amen to that. I love it. I love it. I love it. Where is Grace Central and what time can we, can we worship with you on Sunday? Sunday, uh, Sunday from 10.30 till noon, every Sunday from 10.30 to noon, Grace Central Church, 102.16, South Kitchener Street, Westchester, Illinois. We had 10 joined last Sunday of people just looking for answers. And, and my, my prayer 
is that you don't go day to day without mm-hmm. clarity and honesty. There's no okay. there's no such thing as right, wrong, good or bad, but in how a person thinks. There's no this girl. Amen to that. Amen to that. Yeah. Amen. That's that's why you need to be at Grace Central on Sundays. You can get some more of this teaching because it's so important. Let's go into 2024. Let's leave 2023 and let's yeah. go into 2024 with some clarity. I love you, Pastor mm-hmm. Darius Brooks. I'm sending it. you so much love. Sending you so much love. We got Dr. Shanina Knighton with us right now. Dr. Knighton, what's on your mind today? Good morning, Santita. How are you? I'm doing great. What's on your mind? What is on your mind? There is so much to talk about in this season. There is so much to talk about. And honestly, um, there's so much to talk about that I think the challenge always is is like just making sure you can, you know, simplify it within a short period of time. But I think one of the things right now, I'll be honest, and this is more so not even necessarily a rant, but just a reminder, I'm telling you, like, our awareness, I ask people to think through the sensitivity that they had when they didn't know what COVID was, when they didn't know what illness was. And when I keep bringing up the topic of how do we normalize being well instead of normalize being ill, a lot of mindsets have gone back to normalize and being ill, and it is so sad, you know, mm. meaning... What do you mean I by that? Not. I was at... So, for example, last night I was at my kids' winter benefit concert, okay? And when I tell you, it was a choir, like, meaning, yeah, they were singing, but it was literally, it felt like a symphony had just coughed throughout the audience. I heard it louder than I heard the singing at times, because... It's just like people were sick. And I'm talking about like they were sick, meaning you can hear the congested cough. And the fact that at one point somebody would say or care enough about someone to say, you know what, I don't want to make you sick. So because I don't want to make you sick, I'm going to stay home. Or somebody has recommended you sound sick, so you should stay home. And somebody is saying, oh, well, I don't want to get sick, so you should stay home. I don't want to get sick, so I think I'm going to take some extra vitamin Z and some zinc because I was in an environment with ill people. And when I tell you, it's just the fact that we have now normalized that it's okay to cough around others again. It's okay to not use etiquette such as coughing into our elbow or squeezing into our elbow. It's just assumption again that people want each other's germs. And I think it's so unfortunate and so unfair because when we look at how the last, when we look at how COVID-19 occurred, it didn't happen because somebody said, you know what, this is magical or it's going to happen tomorrow. No, it happened because of what we're looking at right now. Have you been following the story in China with the pneumonia, so the unexpected mm-hmm. outbreak of child pneumonia that is now taking on this global I was going to say this global spin and that it's impacted now areas outside of just China. And we're talking about children that are ending up with pneumonia that is being, they're being hospitalized. So a, 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 a pneumonia that is being caused. Okay, you went out. A pneumonia, you just said. I don't know why I went out. 
No, it's okay. It just it happened. But you, you were saying. Just saying that the pneumonia itself, you know, is being transmitted amongst children. And it's not something that has been around um, just prevalently. But as we're looking at flu, as we're looking at RSV, and as we're looking at COVID, we now have this uptick of these cases as well. And so because we are more globally connected than what we ever have been, no one wants their child or their children to be sick. So this is even more of an important time uh, where we should be more vigilant about those practices and really taking on a similar mindset like COVID of where we're saying we don't want to be ill and we can live free free without illness or live illness-free, rather. And what that means is, is it does mean being vigilant about your hand hygiene, not just running it up under water with some soap for a couple of seconds, but making sure that you are practicing the 20 to 25 seconds. It sounds very simple, but something so simple and less than half a minute can save your life. The other piece is, is yes, I get it. People are over wearing masks. We think about it as being an all or nothing strategy. Masks can be very helpful still when you are in closed in spaces, when you are in unfamiliar spaces with people that may be sick. So having a mask on can provide a barrier of protection against droplets that may come directly in contact with your mouth and nose. So, yes, masks do work under the right circumstance. Will we wear them forever? No. But in instances, especially when you know that there has been an uptick of cases or increased illnesses, it is important for you to wear masks. When we're talking about illnesses, stop downplaying the illnesses in your family or around you. If you hear a friend, a colleague, a coworker, a family member say, hey, I'm ill, I'm not feeling well, and then you see another person that says, oh, I'm sick too, start to take precautions. Start to make sure that you're increasing your vitamin intake, ginger, which I love me some lemon and ginger, Make sure that you're intaking things that are going to help your body to build your immune system so you're not caught vulnerable to those illnesses. The other thing is when we talk about physically distancing or what I would say screening, I call it physically distancing and screening, it's making sure that you're not within close proximity or being in contact with someone that you know is ill. We are not invincible. Germs cannot be seen. So it is important that we are making sure that we are keeping ourselves safe from the germs potentially that we may come in contact with, especially if we know someone that has them. Again, let's normalize being well. Let's normalize being without illness. And let's normalize understanding that, yes, we don't know what germs exist, but we have to stay ready so we don't get ready. Don't have to get ready. And I think we're going to have to change. You know, we have to go back to the COVID policies uh, and um, how to do that. Because when you were not feeling well, you had the space not to go to work and still get paid. You know, people would say, oh, no, no, you're not feeling well, you stay home. Now people expect you just to show up and do your thing. And that's not fair. I mean, you have a lot of people who are not functioning at optimum optimum levels and optimal levels because they don't feel well. But they, you know, they're, they're being told, you know, well, you know, somebody else wants this job. I mean, it's, it's just we're going to have to change our, our whole 
the whole paradigm. Dr. Shanita Knighton. Hey, Dr. Nina, that's her handle on social media, H-E-Y-D-R-N-I-N-A, H-E-Y-D-R-N-I-N-A. Hey, Dr. Nina, that's right. And, um, you know, I want to talk with you uh, in the ne- in the coming days about this report. I'm going to reach out to Abby Phillip and ask about why so many black women don't want to go to the hospital to have their babies. We have got to talk about that, Dr. Knighton given the fact that our maternal mortality rates are so high. But there's something that's happening. There's a breakdown in the medical system. We've got to talk about that. Coming up, let's talk with, if not now, um, about uh, what the Jewish community is doing, particularly young Jewish activists are doing, and young Palestinian activists, and so many young people are doing about the Middle East crisis. Talking with Jonah Karsh of If Not Now in just a few minutes on the Santita Jackson Show. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Santita Jackson Show on WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station and AM 950 radio. The voice of progressive Minnesota, we've got a lot going on in this holy season. You know, we've had the season of Eid for our Muslim brothers and sisters. And this is the last day of Hanukkah for our Jewish brothers and sisters. And, of course, we're moving into one of the two highest holy days in the Christian calendar. Easter, of course, uh, marking the crucifixion of Christ, uh, Jesus the Christ, and This is the season in which we celebrate his birth. And this is the last day of Hanukkah. So happy Hanukkah to our Jewish brothers and sisters. I'm going to ask Jonah Karsh, if not now, what is Hanukkah? What and how is it significant? I was going to ask you another question first, but this just popped to mind. You know how I do. Um, What is Hanukkah and what is its significance, particularly now, as we are as a human family, not just as, as members of the Jewish community, that segment of the human family, but as we are looking to resolve matters of war and peace and justice and injustice. I mean, wh- wh- where does this holiday come in, Jonah? Yeah, well, thanks again for having me on. Um, Hanukkah, is, uh, you're throwing a curveball at me, making me go back to Hebrew school here. Thank you. At least in the United States, actually the most celebrated uh, Jewish holiday, I believe. I was reading that over 70% of Jews uh, in the United States light Hanukkah candles. Um, The word literally means rededication, um, Mm. and it uh, it commemorates um, a a military victory of... of, um, the Maccabees against uh, a foreign occupation of of Greeks uh, of the of the of the Greek dynasty, Assyrian Greek dynasty, and uh, the taking back of the temple. And in some ways, you could say, "Oh my goodness!" A lot of people like to say this is a militarist holiday. This is all about um, this is all about uh, why we should support Israel in this moment. Um, we we have a different take on it. Um, Hanukkah is, uh, to us, 
uh, it does it does commemorate a military victory, but it's a military victory against uh, a foreign occupation, um, and it's and it and it was about uh, Jews in the land being able to live out their lives in peace and security with dignity, um, and 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 uh, eight nights because there is uh, the famous miracle of the oil, where when uh, they went back into the temple. The eternal light, the Nair Panmunit, as we call it, that is supposed to uh, stay always on in any uh, temple or synagogue, uh, only had enough oil to last for one day, and they needed to get uh, more oil, and they weren't able to get oil for eight days, but the light stayed on somehow for eight days, and that's sort of the miracle of the light. And so we are uh, in this moment trying to uh, embrace the spirit of Hanukkah that is about bringing in the light in the midst of the darkness, um, about justice and peace and security for everyone. And look, like, you know, if you if you look really closely at the Hanukkah story, these Maccabees, these, they were kind of religious zealots and, like, you know, guerrilla military, and it's not everything that we're about, but we understand that this is a, a, such an important part of our tradition. Uh, it's been around for thousands of years, and, and we celebrate it as Jews. Um, and so much of Judaism uh, over time is about questioning and interpretation and, and, and using our traditions um, to, to fight for the values that we, that we were raised with. Um, and so that's what, that's what Hanukkah means to us. Well, you know, indeed, and, and that's what we find ourselves in the midst of that moment, just those of us who are Jews and those of us who are not Jewish. Uh, we are questioning, uh, and we are um, looking for a miracle. <laughs> we are looking, and we're looking toward the light. You know, and, and the light to me is, is peace, it's love, it's salvation, it's, it's justice. And indeed, you're going to be gathering as you, as you close out this beautiful holiday in, da- in Daily Plaza, if not now, before we move into these issues that are facing, that are before us today, uh, at 4.30. Uh, and you're inviting uh, not just members of the Jewish community, you're inviting everyone to meet in da- at Daily Plaza. Uh, what's going on? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, all are welcome, Jews and allies. Um, if not now, Chicago, along with our partners at uh, Jewish Fast for Gaza, uh, which is a, uh, a group of uh, anti-Zionist Jews who have been uh, fasting for the people of Gaza in in in, uh, in solidarity with them uh, once a week. Um, in addition to our partners at Jewish Voice for Peace, those three organizations are getting together at 4:30 today at Daily Plaza for a Hanukkah vigil, and, which will be followed by a musical march. Um, and yeah, Hanukkah means rededication. So uh, tonight we are. Uh, using this last night of Hanukkah to rededicate ourselves to the struggle against apartheid and occupation and against the genocide that we see going on in Gaza. And so we're going to sing together, uh, light the Hanukkah candles. It's the eighth night, so you'll get to see the uh, menorah fully lit um, Mm -hmm. and and commit ourselves to solidarity with the people of Gaza. And and all are welcome. There will be music. There will be uh, sutganiyot, which are the traditional jelly donuts. There will be lots of glow sticks, tea lights. Um, a lot of bright lights, and um, we're looking forward to it as an opportunity to bring in the light in this moment and be in solidarity with the people of Gaza. 
You had me at jelly donuts. We used to have them in my, in my preschool and my nursery school. Thank you. Because <laughs> we had the menorah and we would light it. We celebrated uh, these major holidays. I'm so grateful for the Hyde Park Union Church School uh, on the University of Chicago campus where each one of the Jacksons, all five of us, went. We all attended. Let's get into this. You know, you have had... Bernie Sanders in your crosshairs for a minute because you said, look, he's not calling for a ceasefire. We're not just disappointed. We have another expectation of you, Senator Sanders. And now it seems like he's coming around the bend. I mean, he asked President Biden to reduce aid to Israel by $10 billion. I think that's a big development. What do you think? Yeah, um, and uh, we're, we're thankful that Senator Sanders did that, and to us, that's a no-brainer. So Israel, in general, gets uh, $3.8 billion of unconditional military assistance from the United States every year. That's just in normal times. That's part of a memorandum of understanding that was signed during the Obama administration, and uh, it's reauthorized by Congress as a yearly allotment, usually when the uh, annual defense bill military budget comes out. Um, and that's basically a subsidy for the American weapons industry because Israel is required to spend uh, increasing amounts of that money every year. It may even be up to 100% now on American weapons. Um, so there are people that are profiting from this. And uh, in addition, there are no uh, conditions written into that aid around human rights. There are human rights laws that exist around the way that uh, American weapons are used. Um, but uh, like the Leahy law from former Senator Pat Leahy, uh, who recently said that, by the way, oh, yeah, the Leahy law, it doesn't really seem to be applied to Israel. He's retired and he was he just said that in the news uh, recently. So we, we need stronger conditions. And in the middle of a war, the idea that we are going to give uh, 14 billion dollars more in unconditional military assistance to Israel uh, is is totally inconsistent for those that are calling for a ceasefire. If you want the war to end, I don't really see how you give not only more money, but five times roughly more money than Israel's getting on a year-to-year basis, um, and to not do it with any conditions. Now, what Senator Sanders is proposing is to, to get rid of $10 billion of that. The other portion of it was for defensive military systems like Iron Dome, and that makes sense. Um but but uh, it's important that, that we're not funding offensive or really, in our opinion, any more weapons to Israel at this point, anything that gives them cover to continue this war. So we thank him for that. We also saw him yesterday come out and urge President Biden to uh, support uh, the humanitarian ceasefire that, had, that uh, had come forward in the U.N., but unfortunately at the Security Council they vetoed. Um, and it's unclear whether Senator Sanders is envisioning that as a temporary ceasefire, uh, similar to some of the humanitarian pauses that we've seen, or as a permanent ceasefire, uh, a lasting ceasefire to end the war for good, which is really what we're hoping for. But, um, it, it, you know, we're having trouble getting alignment with him on this one issue. We are really happy that he's the biggest leader in, in the Senate, maybe in the whole Congress on making sure that uh, Israel's not going to be getting weapons and military aid, let alone $10 billion worth of them, uh, if, if they're not going to be, if they're going to be using them to carry out this genocidal campaign with no strings attached. I want you to call us at 773-763-9278. What do you think? I mean, 
most Americans now, I mean, and the numbers have been trending in this direction since October 7th. It's been very, very interesting to watch this happen. Most Americans support a ceasefire. More and more Americans are actually supportive of Palestinians. So let's go to the second part first. What happened? It, because it seems like there's been a sea change in, in thought, you know, from Palestinians being unmentionable to now they're being viewed more sympathetically. What's happening? Yeah, I think I think one thing that happened is that this is not historically an issue that people vote on. It's not in the news every single day. Uh, we have lots of issues at home with our domestic politics. Uh, we had various other wars in the Middle East uh, that took up the news for many years. And so I think that most Americans uh, didn't think about Israel-Palestine that much. And perhaps those that did, uh, there, we do have a sizable Arab-American and Muslim population in the United States that has for many years uh, stood in solidarity with Palestinians. But we have an enormous uh, evangelical Christian Zionist population in the United States, um, which essentially can explain uh, lockstep Republican Party support for Israel. So the lobbying group Christians United for Israel, which is an evangelical Christian Zionist group, uh, has more members in the United States than there are Jews uh, in the United States. Um, and and uh, in the Jewish community as well, uh, uh, and uh, there uh, there was uh, historically lockstep support for Israel. Although there's always been dissenting voices, and we're seeing that increase. And uh, groups like APAC, which I want to be careful and say is not should not be understood as Jewish money alone. Uh, APAC is a right wing lobby. Uh, that funds uh, people who want unconditional military assistance to Israel, whether they're Democrats or Republicans, and that includes insurrectionists. And that doesn't have anything to do with my Jewish values. So to me, um, uh, to, and, and to just say that's Jewish money, I think uh, veers a little too much into anti-Semitic stereotypes. That said, there, there are these lobbies, uh, uh, Christians United for Israel, APAC, um, big, big money that has gone into uh, – the debate on Israel, and in the absence of most voters paying attention, uh, that had a big influence on the way that this was talked about in Congress and remains the case. What I think has happened since October 7th is that uh, you can't look away from what's going on in Gaza. Um, uh, even as uh, perhaps at the beginning, there was disproportionate media attention on this horrific tragedy that happened in Israel on October 7th, um, and which, of course, if not now, condemns. Um, but since, but since then, the, the campaign that Israel has unleashed in Gaza has just shown enormous devastation. And I think that the American people are human beings. And when they see children dying and when they see our tax dollars paying for it, um, and when that is debated in the open every day, that's not good for groups like APAC and, and uh, Christians United for Israel, which to some extent uh, want to buy the silence of politicians as it relates to Palestinian human rights. And when it's in the news every day, they can't do that anymore. And I think I think it's really just a matter of visibility. Uh, you hear so often about, about uh, for example, uh, members of the black community who have visited the West Bank, uh, which is under military occupation, where there are streets that only Jews are allowed to walk down while the Palestinians 
actually live on those streets and have to exit their houses through a different door. There are roads that only Jews can drive on and the Palestinians can only drive on the other side of the road. It, it looks like apartheid up close. And people who have experienced, for example, the Jim Crow South uh, will go to the West Bank and say, oh, my goodness, this looks familiar to me. Um, so when, when you see it up close, it's really hard to, to see it as anything other than an apartheid system. And, and to see the violence uh, that is required to maintain that is, is what's going on right now and why I think um, so many Americans are, for the first time, uh, uh, showing solidarity with Palestinians. We're talking with Jonah Karsh. He is uh, really a political leader within the If Not Now organization. And indeed, you can meet our Jewish brothers and sisters at 430 in Daly Plaza here in Chicago. Hanukkah celebration, a celebration in which uh, we'll be celebrating and really uh, praying for peace, praying for peace, praying, praying for justice, praying for a peaceful world and a just society. That is indeed what we're doing today. What is going on? I was reading this headline in The Guardian, and they said that the Israel-Gaza war has put President Biden at odds with the youth of America. And I ask that question because we're five weeks out from Iowa. I mean, I can't believe it, but we're right. (laughs) We're in election 2024. I mean, we're going to be inundated. Um, What... What are what what do the youth of America want from President Biden? And is there any way that he can regain their support? Yeah, um, I uh, it, it, it depends on which youth you're talking about. Um, you know, everyone's going to make their own decision in terms of who they vote for. But what I will say is that this is a generation that is more progressive than uh, than, uh, than many generations. Or, or in the polling, you see more progressive attitudes from, from youth than any other generation. I think that's historically true, but especially true of my generation. I'm 23 years old. And just, just think about the, the, the milieu in which we were raised. So, so I was born in the year 2000, so my first consciousness was uh, around the war in Iraq, uh, the 2008 financial crisis, the election of Barack Obama, which promised transformational change that didn't entirely materialize, uh, the election of Donald Trump, uh, the Black Lives Matter protests of 2020 in the wake of the murder of George Floyd, and a COVID-19 pandemic that exacerbated uh, the inequalities that we already saw in our society and, and, and the Bernie Sanders campaigns for president, which talked about that too. So I just think, uh, my generation is so attuned to the inherent systemic racism in our society, uh, to the white supremacy in our society, to the, uh, economic inequality and wealth hoarding in our society. Um, and, and we've seen, uh, more power come to the left wing of the Democratic Party that calls those things out. Uh, President Biden wouldn't, I don't think, would have gained the support of young people if he didn't uh, at least give some lip service to that in 2020. But uh, what I think President Biden has to understand is that for most youth, those attitudes about a just society don't stop at the borders of the United States. We believe in that around the world. And, and when we see our tax dollars being spent on what bombs that are being dropped on children, of course we're going to have a problem with that. 
Um, and and wait a minute, uh, but when you I, say that, your your voice breaks. You're like, wait a minute. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious yeah. uh, because I, I, you know, um, the world that you know is different than the world I've known. You know, we had to fight to get uh, not just a black person, but the bottom up, the black perspective put on to. In, in, into the American presidential agenda. I mean, Reverend Jackson's campaign was not just about having a black person considered for the presidency. No, no, because you can have black, you know, right-wingers. That's, no. This was about getting the progressive perspective. Even Bernie Sanders, Senator Sanders was on my show. He said, Santita, you have to understand, Reverend Jackson not only opened the door for black people, but he opened the door for progressives, for a white progressive like me, because he came out of our campaign. And you see a new world. You're looking at uh, the world as it ought to be, and you are really pushing for that, Jonah Karsh. I, I think it's important for us to say that. So when I hear, I'm not teasing you about your voice breaking, you're like, but, but of course, this, not, this looks crazy. And yet there's still some resistance, right? Um, the American public is the American public is way ahead of Congress and the president mm-hmm. on ceasefire. And um, and on health care, you know, and on all these other issues. What's the deal? I mean, and, and how do you plan with, if not now, Jewish Voice for Peace and other or, and other organizations that, in which you are involved with, with with whom you're involved? How do you plan to move the needle? I mean, voter registration yeah. campaigns. I mean, what 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 do you what do you think we should be doing as we're moving? Twenty twenty four is here. We can make right. some of these changes to which you aspire. Yes, absolutely. And I didn't even mention the climate crisis, the health care crisis. Mm. There's so many, so many things going on that my generation <laughs> is going to have to deal with. Um, here, here, here's a big, a big thing uh, from If Not Now's perspective in, in the political arena that we're focusing on in 2024 is uh, rejecting the influence of APAC in our politics. Um, we, prior to October 7th, were running a Reject APAC campaign. APAC is the American-Israel Public Affairs Committee. It's the largest pro-Israel lobby uh, in the United States. And recently they created a super PAC, and their new strategy is that they go into Democratic primaries uh, where progressive candidates who, are, who have made statements that are critical of Israel are running. And they pour millions of dollars into attack ads on the, in the primary, most of which, by the way, have nothing to do with the candidate's position on Israel, and try to wipe them out. And we saw them successfully do this several times last cycle. Uh, most notably, they knocked out an incumbent member of Congress, Andy Levin, from mm-hmm. Michigan, who, had, uh, who, who was not by any means radical on Israel-Palestine, but he'd introduced a bill in Congress that said that U.S. military aid to Israel can't be used to demolish Palestinian homes in the West Bank or to further annexation and occupation. And that was, and he was Jewish, and that gave him a particular uh, authority to speak on this issue. And APAC saw him as a threat. They poured $5 million into his primary, and he lost. Um, and uh, He was from an iconic political family. That's correct. And, yes, has it, never, and has never been anti-Israel, but they came after him with such ferocity and viciousness i mean it was painful to watch because he because he's a good guy and anything other than unconditional support for israel uh and and military aid to israel and and really uh the status quo which is a regime of occupation and apartheid is unacceptable to apac 
Um, and they're willing to endorse election denying Republicans who care about uh, taking away rights from transgender people and things like that in order to advance that agenda. But the other thing that we see then is that so often those uh, progressive Democrats who are willing to take a stronger stand on Israel are also those that are taking a stronger stand on health care, on the climate crisis, on all these other issues that we care about. And so APAC not only stands in the way of progress on Israel-Palestine, but on the progressive agenda writ large. And so we need to reject APAC, not just for the sake of, uh, of Palestinian freedom, but for everything that we care about. And so uh, take a, keep an eye on how APAC is spending their money uh, through their various affiliated super PACs in, in 2024 uh, and vote for the other person. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? Just, I mean, because they, they are $100 million. They are planning to take the squad out. They already have. Right. A, and they're going to use people who look like the squad. They're going to find a Palestinian-American or someone aligned from the Arab community to run against Rashida Tlaib. Tlaib. They're going to do that. They found a black man to run against Jamal Bowman. They, they, they're going to do that. They're going to do that. Uh, but this is power. This is this is power. The Koch brothers are doing it. So while we're looking at APAC, we need to look at Big Pharma. We have a whole lot of industries, Jonah, that we've got to that we've got to examine, and we've got to push back on corporate power, right? You know, because I don't want people to drift into. You know, anti-Semitism. It's just APAC. No, APAC, they're flexing. There's no question. And Israel is their bailiwick. That's their thing. But guess what? You have a lot of other people flexing in D.C. And to your disadvantage. What's happening at 430 today? Yes, again, at 430 today, uh, Jewish Voice for Peace, if not now, Chicago, and Jewish Fast for Gaza will be meeting up in Daily Plaza for uh, Hanukkah vigil and musical march uh, commemorating uh, the eighth night of Hanukkah and in solidarity with the people of Gaza. It will be Suskaniot, jelly donuts available, first come, first serve. So we hope to see you there, whether you're Jewish or not. Jelly donuts. <laughs> and the Festival of Lights, Hanukkah. Sending you so much love. You know what, Jonah, you got to come back so we can talk about um, health care. So mm-hmm. we can talk about so many other issues. I want to hear your voice. I want to hear your voice. Because we're in election 2024, young man. I want to hear your voice. Okay? Appreciate it. All right. 430, Daily Plaza, everybody. If not now, going to get those jelly donuts. And really, we're going to come together in solidarity with our Jewish family to celebrate the Festival of Lights, Hanukkah. Let's talk about your retirement, your financial health, your financial future with Mega Financials. Ron Whittingham, back with more of the Santita Jackson Show in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station at AM 950 Radio. It's a joy to be with you today. Let's talk about our financial health. As we go into 2024, you know, there's some things that we need to leave behind. And that is, you know, these, we know that inflation is real. We know that. 
But now, what are you going to do about it? Can you can you still get ready for your retirement? Even if you are not a wealthy person, can you really come together? I mean, pull together your salary as a working class person, as a as a, as a middle class person, uh, as the American Dream now costs three point four million dollars. Investopedia just published those findings. Unbelievable for a family of four. Many of us can't attain that, but that does not mean that you cannot get have a solid, solid, solid foundation for your retirement. And that is what Megan Financial, one of the sponsors of this program, does. You know, I love working with socially conscious, socially conscious companies. And um, one of the things that I love about Megan Financial is that they focus on working and middle class people. They focus on union people. They focus on people like you and me. So we're going to be talking with Ron Whittingham in just a hot second. But I want to get some of these headlines out the way here on WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station at 430 today. I hope you'll meet, if not now, and members of the Jewish community as they celebrate the Festival of Lights, as they celebrate uh, the last Day, the last evening of Hanukkah, uh, they'll even have some jelly donuts there, but they're going to be really coming together with all of us. You don't have to be Jewish to be there. It's about the human family coming together under that particular umbrella. And so please be there today at 430 in Daly Plaza. Uh, they'll even have some jelly donuts, but you better get there early because, you know, first come, first serve. Let's get some of these headlines out the way, everybody. And according to the Washington Post, House Republicans voted to formalize an impeachment inquiry into President Biden. The Supreme Court will hear a case involving access to a key abortion drug, mifeprestone, also used to resolve miscarriages. And um, indeed, more than half of pregnancies are terminated using this drug. Will it be allowed to go forward to be used by American women? We will see. Uh, President Biden met with relatives of American hostages who are being held by Hamas. Will they be released? We hope so. Ohio legislators passed a ban on gender-affirming care for minors in Chicago. We're going to have a high of 46 degrees today, clear with some clouds. Minneapolis, St. Paul, 47 47 degrees, clear with some clouds. And in, in the NBA, an active night tonight. The Bulls will be playing the Heat. The Timberwolves will be playing the Mavericks. The NF, In the NFL, the Chargers will be playing the Raiders and the NHL. The Chicago uh, team will be playing the Kraken, and the Flames will be playing the Wild. And those are just some of the headlines. Adding to my headlines, I hope you will go to 8540 South Racine. Uh, Denise Parker has a tremendous, she and her family have a tremendous, tremendous toy giveaway, Gabriel's Toy Giveaway. It's in the name of her son who made his transition. But you know what? He left this legacy. He started this toy drive. At the tender age of 17, tender age of 17, and um, you can get toys, you can get food, you can get gift cards, you can get clothes. Please go to 8540 South Racine and be blessed on the 17th of December from starting at 12 o'clock. They will be there until they run out of clothes, gift cards, food. And toys. Denise Parker, it is a joy to have you once again today. Talk to us about this toy drive in a couple of minutes. Okay. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me on here. Of course, you're getting more and more toys and clothes. I mean, is it filling up? Are are people going to be able to fit in so we can? (laughs) (laughs) 
Yes, I just I just thank everybody. You, I thank everybody, my clients, my family for the donations. They steady coming in. I really appreciate it. Um, this is the fourth anniversary of Gabriel's Toy Drive that my son has started at the age of seventeen um, on Thanksgiving. And so I just me and my family just continue to um, do it, and they just like it makes me feel closer to him. Mm-hmm. What um, what I'm doing because like um, he passed at the age of eighteen. He had a season in his sleep, mm-hmm. and as me as a mom, you know, I that was like asking God, like, why, why me? I'm a good mom. Mm-hmm. Like, why my baby, my best friend? You know, and I was like so angry. I was like real angry with God, but I learned that. Talking to my pastor and stuff, you know, I learned that, you know, we just, God just lent us these kids for a little while. Mm. And I had to realize that my son, like, did a lot of good things when he was on this earth for that a short time, like 18 years. And he did a lot for a lot of people, even his friends. And me doing a toy drive and just made me feel closer to him and make me feel better. And I don't feel that much anger. I used to. I used to have to tell God. I used to pray to God, but God, just get this anger out of me. You know, this is not me. You know, I just wanted my son back, but I understand. You know, God always takes his angels back. And that's what he did. And that's what I had to learn. To just, like, pray and ask God to heal my heart. But he healed in some other type of way for me doing the story drive and made me closer to uh, my son. And it makes me feel much better. But only thing, you know, people, I know people have lost their kids through sickness, through guns, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yes. So if you continue to, like, if you continue to pray and pray to God every time, he's going to give you strength through this. I go through my days, through holidays, crying and stuff like that. But it's just crying of, like, missing him and knowing that I'm doing something still in his name. And, you know, and I still have people continue to pray for me. Since it's been three years, I still have texts coming in. They're saying they're praying for me on holidays, his birthday, and stuff like that. And that makes me feel better that they're still thinking about my son and me. That means so, he's still living. He's still he's still with us. He's still with us. I yeah. want people to call you today at 312-888-5128-312-888-5128. Go to 8540 South Racine. Continue to give. Continue to give on December 17th. On December 17th, starting at 12 o'clock, the giveaway begins. The clothes, the gift cards. The food, the toys, and the fellowship. You don't want to miss it. And in fact, you're going to hear Denise's story in full tomorrow morning at 6.30. At 6.30. I want you to hear this story. This story that really, a story of triumph in which she tells us how she turned this pain into power. I love you, Denise Parker. I love you, too. I love you. All right. 312, everybody. 888 5128 312 888 
888-825-5128. Get ready to get up at 6.30 in the morning. You're already going to be up because you know you got to see me tomorrow. Hello. <laughs> love you. Yes. <laughs> oh, love you too. Oh, my girly girl. Ron Whittingham, Megan Financial. I love socially conscious, socially aware corporations. All corporations are not bad. And when we when we use corporations and when we use all of this business acumen for the highest good, everybody can benefit. And that's one of the things that I love about Megan Financial, that um, I don't have to be a rich person to have a financial advisor. I don't have to be a rich person to really have someone work with me to craft a plan so that I can have a comfortable retirement. Do I have that right about Megan? You sure do, Santita. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How, where do we begin? Where do we begin? I mean, we've got this news that the American dream now costs $3.4 million. I mean, that's, you know, a married couple with two kids. They have a home, health care, cars, education. Raising a child is more than half a million dollars. I mean, that's, that's just on average. And on 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 it goes. How can you yeah. craft retirement out of all of that? I mean, how, how does that work? Well, Where do you begin? I, mean, I, I know you mentioned that, um, you know, first of all, you talk about corporations being socially conscious. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I've been, I've been working with working class people. You know, I, I refer to them as the mass affluent because I do think they do have a lot of men, money and benefits. Uh, but we, we, it started with three of us. So we're a very small corporation. Now we're a larger corporation, but we haven't lost that that culture on how we started. And that culture is helping working class people retire and retire the right way. Now, but why working class us, we, people? Well, I mean, why did you? I just, I mean, because that's that's a very unusual approach. I mean, you see the average person waiting out on the bus stop. The average person, you know, pumping the gas in their car, the average person working, you're like, wait a minute, I can help you be able to retire comfortably. Talk to me. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm a Southside kid. My mom is a retired school teacher, so, um, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, I just relate better with, uh, you know, the people that I grew up with, and that's kind of what we focus on. Most financial advisors, you have to have a half a million dollars even to get in the door, and you know, we don't have account minimums, so we help everybody. So you don't have account minimums. What does that mean? Well, it just means that you don't have to have, you know, any any sizable chunk of money to invest with us for us to talk to you. You can come in the door, and we can create a plan for you. And it's the time of year to do that. You know, it's uh, New Year's resolutions. People going to get in the gyms, going to get going to get in shape, and they they a lot of people do the same thing with their finances. All right, I'm going to start this new year. I'm going to start with a plan and, and that plan, if you're out there, you need to start when you're younger because you know, mentioned, you mentioned that $3.4 million, you know, yeah. that's to live, right? That's, yes. to, that's to live, you know, how you can't work forever though. You know, what are you going to do when you retire when you, so, when you don't want to work anymore? Uh, well, if you can't work anymore, right? I mean, because things happen, things happen. So, okay, we're coming to the end of the year. We're going into the beginning of the year. Say whatever our financial situation, how can Megat Financial help us? I mean, if we want to get even, you know, if we, if we said, you know, I'm not where I want to be financially at all, but I need to get there. How can you help me? And I would, I would say the vast majority of people feel that way. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you if you take a look at these surveys on on how many people live paycheck to paycheck, and it's, it truly is amazing. Um, but you have to. So I, I guess I would answer that question two different ways. You know, if you're fortunate enough to be in a union here in the Chicagoland area, you can. Um, you just have to understand your benefits. A lot of the retirement savings is done for you by the union. But your job, even as a young person, is to understand what those benefits are and the impact that they'll have on your lives and how to maximize those benefits. So if you're a union person, we have relationships with, with most trades here in Chicagoland. So we understand your benefits. You can come to us, we can explain them to you, and you can understand your plan. You know, if you're not in the, in the trades you need and you don't have a pension like the most of us, you, you need to create a plan. Because like you said, you can't, you can't work forever. And the, the, the real easy match Santita is this. So if you want, let's say, you know, you're going to have Social Security when you're, when you're 65 or whatever, let's say that's $30,000, $40,000. And let's say you want another $40,000 in retirement. The way the, the really easy math is, okay, I want $40,000, you add a zero, so you need $400,000, and you multiply that times two. So to create that $40,000 income stream, you're going to need $800,000 when you retire. And the thing of it is, think about it. You know, the more time you have, the easier it's going to get to that $800,000. So if you're starting late, you know, either you got to take on more risk, you know, invest in the market, which by the way, close it, the Dow Jones closed at an all time high yesterday, which, you know, with all this craziness going on is you think it's crazy, but you need to start early to get that number to where it needs to be. So you don't have to work when you're 70 years old and be afraid but 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 yeah, say I mean, what if i come to you with at 40 or 45 i mean so, and some people have worked and you know people have lost their jobs uh, corporations have downsized or you know you know they've gone in another direction and people don't have the jobs that they used to have is what do, what would you advise someone to do then can they still come to you for sure. Yeah, um, certainly. And we would just try to create that plan for them. And I know it's not easy. You know, mm-hmm. like you mentioned inflation earlier in the show, you're just trying to live. You know, you, you have to you have to have a job. You have to get to work. You have to have shelter. You got to feed the family. Um, you know, now now with the holidays coming, you know, oh, my son really wants that, you know, that that gift or my daughter wants this, you know, education, you know, if it, depending upon where you're at, costs more. Everything costs more. So trying to find money for retirement is harder and harder, you know, as we kind of all get older. And the, the thing of it is, that's the first thing that people remove. They're like, oh, you know what? I'll deal with that. I'm not retiring for 20 years. I'll deal with that next year. But then you keep kicking that can down the road, and then you're really behind the eight ball when it's too late. Is there, well, it, until it is too late, is there... It, if you are, are you looking at college kids, even even talking to them, you know, as they, and, and, and kids and young people are moving into the vocations, into the trades, I mean, are you able to, are you looking to reach them so that they can know just coming right out the starting gates into the workforce that this is what you need to do? I mean, would you advise Young people, I mean, just the, the very, very young, start on that retirement plan immediately. Because you're not thinking about that in your 20s. I mean, you're not. But you should be, you're saying. There's, there's no doubt about it. I was, on a, I was on Joan's show yesterday, 
Antietam. And we, they had a caller call in. And the caller asked, you know, hey, he said, you know, my wife worked as a CTU teacher for one year. She got injured or she was disabled and she couldn't work anymore. How do I collect that pension? So in that instance, you know, that, that caller, his wife, you have to vet for a pension. Before you, you have to be in there for five years before you can qualify for a pension. So the, the whole the, the story is is these young people. When you're in these when you're in these trades in these jobs, you have to understand your benefits so you don't lose them like that individual did. Now, granted, she she was you know disabled and she didn't have a choice, but there's a lot of people out there that'll have a job. Then like oh, you know what I really like this job better. The grass is greener. I'm going to go over here. But then they don't know what they're walking away from. So the, for those younger people. It's really important to understand what they're giving away if they make a change. Do you think that many people, when they go on to their jobs, do you think that they really understand their benefits package? No. I mean, they don't. They know they're there, but they start to look at them. You know, if, they, if they're fortunate enough to be in one of those unions and, or trades that has a retirement plan, they know that something's there for them. Do they really understand mm-hmm. it? I don't think so. Do they, do they know how to maximize it? Certainly not. Have they explained it to their spouse? Definitely not. So, again, our firm, what we do, we will sit with you. We'll sit with you and your your spouse, your significant other. And if you're in one of those trades, we'll explain what the path looks like. And, you know, sometimes there's things that you can do to make that path even better. You can, you know, invest in a Roth IRA or something like that so you have more options when you retire. And, again, the earlier you start, the better off you're going to be because, again, it's always good to have options. The earlier you start, the better off you can be. Is it ever too late to start? I mean, no. I mean, it's a, you have to start sometime. So if you're, if, you're not, <laughs> if, you're, if you're not if you're not doing something, you better start now. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's really important because, you know, one last thing, I don't know how much time we have, but I had an electrician that I retired, and, and he was telling me, he's like, you know, he was a disabled, so he's 55 years old, got his Social Security disability, was able to collect his pensions without a reduction, uh, and, and he mentioned his next door neighbor, you know, was 70 and, and had to go back to work. So it was a real concern of his. He's like, God, is that, you know, I'm young, you know, I have to retire because I was injured on the job. You know, am I going to end up like this guy? And I just explained to him, I was like, no, you have to understand that you have these ben- these pensions, these benefits that will never go away. So, and he had, and again, he was 55 years old, you know, within five, 10 years of retirement. And he had really had no understanding on how it was going to work either. So you don't want to be that person who has to go back to work when they're 70 for insurance benefits, you know, because the cost of Medicare and prescription drugs are, are higher mm-hmm. or you can't, you just can't afford to live. You don't want to be in that position. So the earlier you start, the better off you're going to be. And the more information you have. So you're saying that what, when I come to see you at Megan Financial, first thing you're going to do is sit down with me and explain, you're going to look at my benefits package and you're going to explain it to me, show me what I can get out of it. And you're going to, do you construct a budget for me? Well, you know, we, we kind of, you have to kind of do that. So we can show you okay. what the income looks like. And then you guys okay. got to tell us what you want to spend because everybody's different that way. You know, I'm uh-huh. not going to tell you how to live your life, but we can tell you, you know, if, if, if you're living above your means, we can show you where the shortfalls are, are and, you know, the, you know, the cost of, you know, if you keep, if you keep doing, doing the things you're doing, obviously we, you know, with the, I know the younger kids too, Tantidia talked about why it's important for them. You know, when they go to college, you know, they have all these credit cards that are just like, you know, oh. throwing themselves at these young people. 
and they don't truly understand it either. So, you know, it's important for them to understand what that debt's going to look like because, you know, they go spend a bunch of money, then all of a sudden they're walking out with college loans and all this credit card debt. You know, it's a, it's a hard pile to get, a, to get a, out from under. Can you do me a favor? My next block, I have Dr. Max Wolf. He's one of the top young economists in the world. And um, he's going to be talking about the economy and inflation. I'd like for you all to meet because I'd like to ask you a question and him a question, if you don't mind, Ron, about crafting a retirement plan in this inflationary period. I mean, just I mean, and most of us are are not financially literate. And I know that that is a real goal of yours. And so would you mind just you don't have to stay the whole time, but if you could just stay just a little bit longer, would you mind? Sure. Not a problem. Okay. Make it financial, everybody. What's your number, Ron? It's uh, 708-444-1090. One more time. 708-444-1090. Thank All right. you. Thank you. So, well, no, stay right there. No, no. you got to meet Dr. Wolf because we got to talk about the inflation. Because I want people to go to Megan Financial. You need to do that. You need to know what your benefits are. You need to benefit. You need a retirement. You need to be able to retire in respectability and in comfort. And you can do that. I don't care what your salary is. There's a path, and they've got it for you. Stay right here on the Santita Jackson Show. Dr. Max Wolf coming back up with Ron Whittingham of Megan Financial. Back with more of the Santita Jackson Show in just a moment. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show on WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station and AM 950 radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. Meet my morning stars on the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel as we talk about our economic health, our economic wealth and inflation and retirement and how we can really keep our heads above water, if you will. I want to have you help me to welcome to our show a new sponsor, uh, Credo Mobile. Credo Mobile, they're sponsoring uh, the station and they're sponsoring the Santita Jackson Show, and we are proud to have them. $95 million they have spent. $95 million they have spent to to support progressive nonprofits working for a better world. I could not imagine a more aligned partner. Uh, they are socially conscious And they are a mobile company that can give you the best phones, the best plans. They hang with the big people. But guess what? Their profits go in part to help you. Help you. So why don't you do business with people who want to do business with and for you? Credo Mobile. Credo Mobile. Those are your people. They have the best phones. They have the best plans, and they have the best plan for you in your life. $95 million. They have spent over $95 million to support progressive causes that support making our world a better place for all of us, everybody. Go to credomobile.com, C-R-E-D-O mobile, C-R-E-D-O mobile.com, or call them at 877 346 
877-346-0516. They deserve your support. Support them as they support you, everybody. Credo Mobile, C-R-E-D-O Mobile.com, 877-346-0516. Of course, it's time to talk with Dr. Max Wolf, but I asked uh, Ron Whittingham of Meckett Financial, who is also one of our sponsors, and one of, one of the things that I love about him is that he's socially conscious. I mean, Dr. Wolf, you know, as I bring Ron Whittingham back into this conversation, you're mindful of the fact that he does have a meeting that he has to attend, um, I love the fact that this financial services company focuses on the middle class, focus, focuses on union members, focus, focuses on working class people and helping them to craft a retirement. Uh, because it, it should, it, this space should not only belong to wealthy people. And that's one of the things that I love about this man from the south side of Chicago, as am I, that, um, that this is something that you want to do. But do you think, how do, we, how do we come up with these retirement plans in these inflationary times, Ron Whittingham? I mean, what do you tell people now? If, if they say, I cannot afford to save a dime, I can't afford to put anything aside because I'm struggling. I'm doing the best I can. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a that's a tough thing it's a tough thing to come to to do because you're you're gonna have to you're gonna pay the price at some point in time if you don't start saving for yourself for retirement. Um, it just means it, it, it's it's you have to start sometime. Uh, again, fortunately for a lot of our clients, you know our niche is unions. Uh, the unions kind of create that retirement plan for the participants. I I always say they do a great job at doing that. But the unions, the benefits that they offer are their best-kept secret. Uh, so they build these benefits, but they don't really have a mechanism to get the word out to what those benefits are and how they impact their members. Uh, but that's what we do. So fortunately for us, a lot of the retirement planning is done for a lot of our clients. So they don't have to take money outside of their paychecks um, to, to you know, save for retirement. But unfortunately for those people who don't have those benefits, those, those retirement plans, those defined benefit plans that'll pay you a sum of money monthly, uh, you you have to start sometime because otherwise you're you can't. If you, like we talked about earlier, you can't work forever, and you got to start somewhere. And the sooner you start, the better off you're going to be. How does that sound to you, Doctor Wolf? No, it makes sense. I mean, I think the sixty-four thousand dollar question in this business is the less you can afford to divert some of your wages because it's too hard to make ends meet, the more likely you are to need a large savings egg or a large buffer because those people who are in less are also more likely to suffer unemployment, to see the places they close, that they work at close or suddenly let them go, to be sort of tossed around by the shifts in the economy, the shifts in, in the health of the economy, and also just need for skilled labor, how that moved around and automation. So the less you can afford to save on some level, the more likely it is that you need to. And even if it's a really modest savings plan, the nice thing is the compounding will add up. So even if you determine that there's a couple of corners you can cut without hurting yourself um, and you can just save a little bit. And then the other way I tell people, you know, you can start saving is don't spend more for things to put off the cost. Right. So, for instance, if you buy something on a credit card that has a balance on it, you're paying a dollar twenty for every dollar you spent. Just form of savings to push that balance down. 
right? Don't mm-hmm. rent something that you could buy at a zero interest rate buy now pay later plan if you have that option because then you don't have to pay the interest. Because the problem is the tighter things are, the more painful every diverted dollar is, the more you need to have a pool to get through tough times. And we know from one vital, if somewhat depressing statistic after another, there's an awful lot of folks who can't sort of pay for a little disruption of a lost wage for a week or two, a car breakdown, a medical bill. And the problem is those things aren't things that may happen to you one day. Those are things that are going to happen to you. Mm. Ron Whittingham, what's your closing thought before you go to this meeting? Megat Financial, everybody, M-E-G-E-N-T Financial, you need to reach out to them today. Ron, your yeah, closing thought? I mean, I, I agree. I, I agree with what Dr. Maxwell said. You know, a lot of these people who, you know, are in those situations, I don't, I don't think they understand the the impact of them maybe stopping what they're saving to to live on or to use their retirement savings to uh, you know to to live on or to finance their their lifestyles. And I think that's really important for them to understand because they just don't understand what the impact is going to be, and they don't understand what retirement because it's it's such an you know, a hard thing to wrap your head around. And especially as a young person, you think you're, you're Superman and you're going to live forever. And, and it's just, uh, so I think before you make a decision like that, you know, moving jobs and, or dipping into your 401k plan or taking a loan, you know, sit with a professional and understand the impact of that decision. Hmm. Make it financial. What's that number again? 708-444-1090. And again, 708 1090. Thanks, Santita. Really appreciate it. Sending you, sending you so much love in this holy season. Thank you so much, Ron Whittingham. Mecca Financial, everybody. Dr. Max Wolf, uh, I've been reading these headlines about the economy and people saying, okay, you're saying it's getting better. I just don't feel it. Talk to us, Dr. Wolf. Yeah, so I think it's actually become pretty dangerous the disconnect here. So I do think the economy is getting better, right? I think there's a lot of statistics to suggest that. There has been a slowdown in wage sort of uh, in employment growth, although wages have stayed somewhat elevated, and wages are still struggling to catch up to inflation. But inflation is down, unemployment is low, and wages are running a bit faster than inflation. So those things are pretty good. I think you sort of have to disentangle a few things. We also had a lot of subsidies that were phased out very aggressively, and in many cases probably prematurely at the end of at least what the government decided was the official COVID assistance period, right? So that hit people pretty hard. And you have a deafening, constant argument that Joe Biden is not doing what he should be doing from the left and the right. And so people are told constantly that the economy isn't working for them, and they probably feel it. But most of that is structural. So most of that has to do with the way the economy has sort of changed for 20, 30, 40 years. So the problem is that if you look to a particular president or a particular mayor to fix that, you are asking a particular mayor or a particular president to fix 30 or 40 years of global macroeconomic structural change, which is, you know, I think some, somewhere fairly well beyond a tall order. If you then get mad at that person and elect someone even worse, you're just disappointed in the driving movie you just went to and slashed the seats. 
right? And so, yeah, it's a bummer when you drive your car to a drive-in movie, but I don't know if slashing your seats is a great revenge strategy. So I, mean, I feel like we have to have a couple of different discussions, even though that's a bit tricky on the subject. But to the extent that the, the economy is a structure and decisions are made about how wealth is moved around in that economy, a lot of people are in the position in the economy where they don't get much benefit from good economic period. And that's what you're seeing now, right? That when the economy is good, it does benefit, but it may be a kind of day late dollar short in terms of their ability to cash in. Of course, the other thing to remember is when the economy turns down, the people who are most hurt by it are often not the people most helped when the economy turns back up. And that cycle over time of being the first hurt or the worst hurt and the last helped or the less helped is how you get wealth redistribution. That's what we actually mean when we talk about upward wealth redistribution in an economy, right? So part of what mm-hmm. people are describing is upward wealth redistribution of a structural variety. And so that is a bigger question. Not to be ignored. It's just not a question for a particular mayor or governor or president in a couple of years' time. We know progressives have been calling for decades for a fundamental restructuring of our economic system because it disadvantages poor and working class people. Have we now reached reached critical mass here? Because you have seen President Biden do some really good things, but people Uh are constantly saying, I don't feel it. I'm in the grocery store. I mean, I'm just I'm just listening to people not in the line. I'm talking to people and they're saying, you know, I hear you, but that's a lovely discussion that you're having on TV and that you're having on the radio. I'm not feeling it. There is a disconnect, Max. There is. I mean, for sure there's a disconnect. But you will feel it if you get mad and you vote for the wrong guy. It just what you feel won't be the euphoria of affordable prices. And I know this is a message people don't like to hear, but the prices of general food and other stuff were low or falling for 40 years, right? The problem is that so were the wages. So as soon as the prices ticked up, they wiped people out because those people were probably in a scenario of barely getting by before. So yes, the prices have decelerated their growth. But again, as we talked about before, when inflation falls, it means the rate of price increase goes down. It doesn't get you that money back. So that is part of the problem here, right? So if you watch something, you know, bacon, eggs, meat, certain things go beyond the, the cost you could bear, then the good news that inflation is falling means that they're getting further out of reach slower. That's what we mean when we say inflation is down. So that is a good thing, but you're still talking about an object moving away from you at a slower pace than it was before. It is not moving toward you, back toward you, right? And that can be the frustration there, right, which I understand. Um, But, I mean, look, the truth is we needed to have those conversations about inflation, and we didn't about other things like medicine Mm. and school and retirement. Because if you look at the pillars of being middle class in the United States, They have a lot to do with being able to save some money and buy a home. They have a lot to do with being able to retire, historically. Anyway, they have a lot to do with being able to get medical care, be able to go on vacation. In fact, if you start to think about it, those are more or less historical definitions of being middle class. You have a route to own a home. You can go on vacation. You can retire. Things that were kind of 
unbelievably luxurious dreams for the folks before the 30s and 40s and are once again becoming out of reach, right? And I think that's a big deal. And I also think there's a loss of hope. Mm-hmm. And there's a loss of hope. There's the, the actions that come with it. So if you don't think that going without, that saving, that doing the right thing will work, right? Then it is hard to motivate yourself. It's hard to feel included and it's hard to be included. And I think that can shade a lot of what people are really responding to when they say, hey, this economy isn't working for me. It's, it's not right? working and it, for me. Because it isn't. You know, in yeah, a practical yeah. way. I mean, the University of Chicago, for example, their tuition for an undergraduate is $100,000 a year based. Yeah. <laughs> ooh, ooh, and that actually takes care of about seven, eight months a year for that person, right? Because yeah. between the summers and the winters, that's not even the whole year's budget, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean there's probably so, a few, yeah. You know, and so, and then you're going to the grocery store. And I'm just hearing constantly from people, call me at 773-763-9278, 773-763-9278. I'm hearing it from people constantly that my money is not going far. I'm not even buying protein. I'm not buying chicken, <laughs> fish, well, let alone beef or anything. I'm not buying... I, I, you know, my, my thing is, where do we go from here? Because, you know, while I'm, I'm hearing you, I'm just saying in, in terms of what the, the practicalities, practicalities of life, people are really, really struggling. Really. Yeah. But here's what I'm, what I'm responding to. I think a lot of people are struggling. I think they'll make the decision to stay home, to do a protest vote for a weird candidate or a candidate not mm-hmm. always who they'd pick or the candidate they picked last time, depending on who they are. And then they're general sense of things not working for them will be weaponized into a downturn where they get even less. So, so I mean, what if we're going to be... Well, hold on. Then what should we be asking of a candidate we feel that we've got a better shot with? I mean, to what, me, what, what, people what need we, to... What should yeah. we be putting on the table? What, what needs to be on the table? The now? kitchen table conversation has to be part of which candidates you pick. Because we chose the candidates that restructured the economy to not work for us as a people. Mm-hmm. As Americans, we chose that when we promoted the people who stole our money and got obsessed with the sex life of the people who tried to help us or voted about who was going to do a better job on this or that sort of wedge issue, which might matter, but probably doesn't enough. Right. And so I think you sort of say, hey, what are the baseline things I care about and who is going to advocate for those? Because the people who wanted politicians to undermine the basic prosperity of the American middle class. They were very disciplined who they gave money to and who they voted, and they won. And they couldn't have done it without the help of these people. What should right? we be asking for? I mean, in, in I mean, 2024. Yeah. I think you'd, I would be looking for some sort of national health care initiative, mm-hmm. at least a movement in that direction, because I think a lot of the loss of middle class status, a lot of the erosion is people who can't start a business because they or someone on their insurance needs life-saving medical care. And starting their own business might actually make that impossible for people. Entrepreneurship can be a death sentence for a low-income person with a dependent or who has a significant condition, right? So I think that's a pretty, you know, pretty basic. I think you need to have a sort of 
some kind of a minimum wage. I think we need to double down on the ability of Americans to retire. That's probably a pretty big deal. I think we need public transit in a big way because that's another killer of, of people trying to make it up there. A car breaks down and their economic lives collapse. I think various rent control and public subsidized housing is a big one. If you look at what's knocking people down economically, right? It's the sexy stuff. It's the basics, right? And then the other thing is, as much as people have their causes, I mean, watching what happened in Texas this last week, if one of the two parties is suggesting murdering you to get primary wins when you need health care and you're an American woman or have a relationship with an American woman that you care about, I'd pay attention to that. That seems like a big deal. Like, hey, guys, I know we like agree on these three issues, but if it helps me in the primary, I might murder you or your wife or your mom or your sister or your roommate. Like, that just strikes me as an issue. So, like, I would look at the big ones, right? Like, can I get to a job? Is there a job? Can I live off that job? If I get sick, can I get help? Can I live indoors? Can I move around town if my car breaks down? Right. And yes, if you're rural, it's different and everyone has their uniquenesses of their lives. But I think people need to go back to the meat and potatoes. And I think a big effort is made to not have us focus on the meat and potatoes issues. And that isn't the narrow. The the meat and potatoes issues for a lot of Americans have been reduced to, will this guy give me a tax cut? Right. Which often turns out to be, will he give someone else who made a political campaign donation to him a tax cut? And that subtlety Mm -hmm. needs to be grasped. Electing people who give someone else a tax cut, I mean, might make you feel good, but it's not going to help you, right? And the last thing is, be honest with where you sit in the economy. There's a lot of aspirational voting. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I want these low taxes because pretty soon I'm going to win the lottery, or my $43,000 a year job is going to become a $900,000 a year job. And, of course, Shreveport, plenty of people make it there, and it's amazing when they do. But statistically, it's not prudent to prepare for a low probability outcome, right? Like, I don't, I don't mm-hmm. think that's a great idea. So getting ready for what you need when you're rich ahead of time has cost a lot of Americans their middle-class prosperity. Well, you know, I can't help but see one of my favorite shows. I love the host, David Bromstad, on, um, on HGTV is Lottery Dream Home. I mean, and it's not like these people are going to find mansions. They're going to find basic Homes. I said, has it come to this for Americans? When I see that the classic American dream cost you $3.4 million, you know, married couple, two children, house, couple of cars, raising a child costs you more than half a million dollars. I mean, wow, Max. Yeah. I've got, I've got a couple of minutes left for you. I mean, this is a lot. It's just, it's overwhelming. But if being able to have a kid is important to you, it'd probably be wise to have a society that helps you have that kid. Because we have a society that either sentences you to have the kid or tells you to have it and tells you it's your self-worth. Probably a little more if you're a woman than a man, but both probably. And then gives you absolutely no assistance in it. Right? And so even if it doesn't make you feel tough and on top of the world and astride the future... Getting some quality childcare, getting a decent public school, getting some kind of public transit, and getting some kind of public health care, that's a difference between a life defined by tragedy and a life that has a, a pathway to dignity. Right? Because mm. we're no longer fighting for the frills. If we're middle class, lower middle class, or low income Americans, 
we're fighting to survive. And the problem with having the sort of middle and lower middle income people spend every day fighting to survive is they're too tired to pay attention to what's going on. And they're too tired and too nervous to struggle to make things better. But that becomes the most expensive shortcut in the world. And that's how things persist that shouldn't. And, And we can see it, right? The party that gets less votes controls the House and Senate. Oops, that seems interesting. The party that disagrees often, the politician that disagrees, Democrat or Republican, with a lot of his or her constituents, wins all the time if they're the incumbent. That seems pretty weird. And the Congress, Democrat and Republican often, and the president, Democrat and Republican, I don't think it's just a partisan one party versus another thing. They vote and approve policies and budgets that don't reflect the basic desires of the American people in poll after poll after poll after poll after poll. And then those people don't seem connected to hey, unlimited political donation means that you're auctioning off the politicians. Right. And are you in a position to buy yourself a congressperson? If you're not, this shouldn't be a tricky one for you. If you are, fine. It might be a different calculation. Right. Well, I mean, you're right. But, you know, like you said, losing hope. That is that's the killer right there. And by so the way, if anyone wants to buy that. me a congressperson, I will accept that gift happily in the season of giving here. <laughs> Only Max Wolf. Max Frog Wolf. Max, I'm afraid of you, Wolf. I love Max I'm just saying, Wolf. if you want to give me something, I'll always remember. And you'll always get a holiday card for me. I wouldn't mind. Now, I'll settle for like a, you know, mayor or governor, but I would prefer someone in federal office. Just putting oh it out there. What my gift friend is what, what am I going to do with him? Help, help, help. Love Dr. Max Wolf. Hey, everybody, get registered to vote. We're five weeks away from uh, from the Iowa caucuses. The election is right here. And you know what? Choose or lose. And choosing is including not voting. If you choose not to vote, you're going to lose. If you choose to vote, you will win. You will have participated in the process, and you need to get involved. We've got some big, big questions that need resolving. Dr. Maxwell, sending you much love today. Happy Hanukkah to you. Thank you. My dear, dear brother, sending you so much love. 4.30 today, Daily Plaza, the Festival Festival of Lights. If not now, Jewish Voice for Peace. And so many people will be gathering. And it's for everybody, everybody, as we talk about having a just society and a more peaceful world. Hope you'll put Rainbow Push under your Christmas tree. Call them at 773-FREEDOM, 773-FREEDOM. Just drop by. 930's 50th Street. You know we've got that food giveaway during the holiday season. So I love everybody. Have a great, great day.